right, everybody. Welcome back to a special fan run episode of Shining Pod, I guess. Um, so we normally only record once a month, but uh, we we have some guests. So I think we're going to have like an intermonth show if we have people who are interested in talking. And today I am joined by Chris, who is a YouTuber. What's going on, Chris? Not much. It's been a pretty good day and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us more about YouTube. What you doing on there? So I just started a channel, um, and I'd love if you guys would check it out. Uh, the channel name is Nihil, and I'm doing mostly Fire Emblem content at the moment because that's where I ended up after uh, the great Shining Force draught that we are still in. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing lots of Fire Emblem stuff. A new Fire Emblem game comes out this coming week when we're recording this, so that dates it a little bit. But uh, Three Houses comes out really soon, so we're going to do a lot of content for that. Um, but eventually, I'd like to uh, introduce Shining content and uh, do some Let's Plays, some character spotlights, um, some deep lore stuff, uh, the stuff you didn't know, um, and things like that. Maybe some challenge runs as well. All right, awesome. So, uh, mostly Fire Emblem, and then probably some Shining Force stuff along the way? Oh yeah, definitely. If you had to pick one of them? Uh, if I ever had to pick, probably Shining Force. Like, I love Fire Emblem, but Shining Force is my favorite game of all time. Um, and nothing has ever really compared to that. I would pretty much agree with you. I'm not like a huge gamer, so there's like not that many video games I really, really like. But Shining Force is like the perfect level of everything I'm looking for in a video game. There's no timers, so I'm not yeah. bound by time, <laughs> which is huge because my life is kind of busy. So if I can plug in for like five minutes and play, I still get like some enjoyment out of it. Oh, I was just going to say, listening to episode one, it was scary how much your experiences have coincided with mine. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, my first ever game I had was uh, the Sonic and Knuckles collection. And then uh, I'm pretty young still. I'm 24 now. But uh, my mom was at the store and saw the Sega Smash Pack and was like, oh, I bet my kid would like this. So she got it for me, and uh, I found Shining Force through that and played through terribly. I mean, I was so young, I barely read anything. So I missed even the obvious secrets. Like, uh, I felt so bad in my second playthrough because I realized in my first playthrough I just left Zylo rotting in his cell. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't know you could miss him. I thought you had to. <laughs> to... Nope, you can walk right out of that town and just leave him there. Oh man! Um, and then, like you, I eventually found FantasyAnime.com, and uh, I had already done a let's or a playthrough where I found all the secrets, or so I thought. And then, uh, with Fantasy Anime, I checked that website out and was like, "There's samurais and ninjas in this." I know. I remember. Um... In, in the first pod uh, with Jeremy, he was saying that he found Hanzo and stuff in like when they were like originally playing. Yeah, you know? like I'm like, how? Yeah, <laughs> like it's a bush. You find him in a bush like. I, yeah, I would have never in a million years thought to do that. No, I, and then I remember when I finally I, I, I don't didn't find any of these secret things on my own, but. When I found Musashi, and he's just like the best character in the entire game. Oh, yeah. Just completely floored. That. Yeah, I, it just blew my mind from even, especially a lore perspective, that I was like, wait, there's ninjas? <laughs> I know. It's just, 
Oh yeah, there's also ninjas and samurais. Yeah, it for, because of that, I feel like uh, you know it doesn't happen as much with the internet now, but it felt like it was the game that just kept on giving. Like even going going back, like through like another playthrough, you'll check out like a bookcase you may have not looked at before, and yeah, something really really weird, or tell you more about the history of the game, or like any number of things. Yeah, and I don't want to rehash episode one completely, but the last thing I'll say on that is uh, I totally resonated with you guys when you thought Boken, there had to be something you could do to recruit him. I mean, I was like, maybe if I talk to him in every single town. I know. Like, that's the thing. Like, the only thing he does is save you from the prison cell. I can't remember which town it is, but... I don't either, but yeah, I, th I thought then that was when we would get him. I don't know, like, because I don't design games, but like... I feel like they should, like, if it was possible that he is a playable character and just no one's figured it out yet, that would be, like, one of the coolest secrets in video games ever. Oh, yeah, I totally think so. Be so amazing. I'm surprised there's not a fan-made mod where he is playable. All right, since we have such a vast audience, somebody do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and that's one of my goals, actually, uh, eventually doing um, Shining Force content on YouTube. Um building up the Fire Emblem audience and then introducing them to my favorite game ever. Because I know if it just got in front of more people, they'd love it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of ROM hacks and stuff in that community, and I'd love for some of those people to come over and make some Shining Force content. I know. I've had uh, a couple of people, not that many, because we are few but mighty, saying that we should do an episode on mods. And I don't really know too much about mods personally, but maybe... Um, I I've looked other people do. Yeah, I've looked into some of them. Um, the Steam Workshop has made it really, really easy to uh, install some of them if you ever want to. Um, but the most extensive things I've seen on there are like rebalance patches that don't change too much and uh, stuff that in, uh, unlocks all of the characters from the very beginning. Yeah, I would, I'd definitely be interested to try it because that like intrigues me because I know so little about it. But mm -hmm. just... I'd have to, as far as, like, someone would have to really walk me through it. Because I'm not, like, completely horrible with, like, mods and things. It's just not something I've really looked into. Yeah, the Steam Workshop's really easy. You just buy Shining Force on there, and you go to the Workshop tab, and you just click Subscribe on the mod you want, and that's it. <laughs> it's done. Oh, well, in that case, I might be able to figure that out. Yeah, they made it pretty easy. I won't sell myself too short, just short enough of Googling a website. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, uh, you talked about um, Resurrection of Dark Dragon a bit on the first one, the remake, and I was curious, mm -hmm. what uh, what all games have you played? I've played, uh, let's see, which ones have I played? I played Shining Force 1, Shining Force 2. Um, I'm basically all the way through Rise of Dark Dragon. I just haven't done like the last two fights. Gotcha. Um, I've played Final Conflict. I've played sort of Hajia, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm never... I, I have no idea. Never sure about that one. Um, I feel like I've played one other one, too. After I feel like the first couple, the, I guess, greater narrative sort of dissolves and it's harder to tell. And then it feels like there's like 20 other games, but they're not available anywhere or to anyone. <laughs> Yeah, I've played some of those. So my list is uh, I've played Shining Force 1, most of 2. I made it to the end pretty much, and then uh, I lost the file, so that sucked. Oh. Um, 
I played all of Resurrection of Dark Dragon, and then, weirdly enough, I picked up Shining Force EXA, which is a PS2 game, just because I saw it at the store and was like, it's a Shining Force game. I know it's not going to be at all like what I want it to be, but I'm going to pick this up and play it a little bit just to see. And let me tell you, that's... Oh, I mean, it's weird. Oh, and then I played... What was the other one? Um, They didn't put any out in the U.S. for forever, kind of like you mentioned. Um, But they finally put out Shining Blade from Arcus, I think it's called, which is like a... uh, crossover from a lot of the later shining games and it's a fighting game and i 100 percented that just so they would see it in their analytics and be like oh hey they're shining people that live in the states (laughs) (laughs) i've I've never even heard of that one it wasn't great if i'm honest (laughs) even as a fighting game it really wasn't great i'll have to look that up i know that um after like the first like six of them or so like the art style started to change and that kind of pulled me out of it because I really like the old 8-bit stuff. Oh, same. Um, and I think something that really sets, uh, especially the first game apart from the other ones, is that, um, and don't take this the wrong way, some of the characters are a little bit ugly and they have flaws. And I really love that. Um, you know, it's just, it makes it all feel so much more real that they aren't all super sexy. It's really funny that you say that because we actually delve into that in uh, Shining Force 2. We get into the topic of ah. uh, Rise of Dark Dragon, and there's actually like a whole kind of, not a whole segment, but probably about like a five-minute portion of me talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, what did you think of the new characters in Resurrection? I thought they were a total waste. <laughs> <laughs> to be totally honest. Wow, I mean, tell us how you really feel. Forced in there so hard that like it didn't uh it didn't personally work for me. Uh what did you think about it? Um kind of the same. Um I liked what they were going for because my understanding is that our version in the states of Shining Force is quite a bit different than the Japanese one and I have some of those uh changes noted. Um and I can talk about those in a minute if you'd like, but uh Apparently, there's more plot, I've been told. I don't know if anyone's actually translated all of it uh, directly. I looked for that and couldn't find it. Um, but, like, the whole subplot... Uh, are, are we good with spoilers, if I, if I say spoilers? Oh, yeah. I feel like at this point, you probably don't <laughs> have to say spoilers. Yeah, I guess the game came out an eternity <laughs> ago. But spoilers for the GBA remake of Shining Force, if you haven't played it. Spoiler one, there's a story. But yeah, I liked that Kane and Max are kind of brothers and that there's that dynamic. Because um, I think that was in the original in Japan. I'm not positive on that. Mm-hmm. That um, I did like. It was just the... The Narsha and whatever the other two's names are, Zukia and Wallock or something like that. Yeah, Zuika. Um, I'm not even going to lie. I have their pages open in front of me right now because I didn't want to forget their names. Oh. <laughs> um, researching for this, actually, uh, I was looking at Resurrection again because I haven't played it in so many years. And it was like, yeah, it adds three char- three new characters. And I was like, no, it only adds two, right? And I like went in and was like, "Oh, I to- my mind totally erased Zuika from my memory." And there's a reason for that. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, uh, especially like aesthetically. 
you know, Birdman. Like, I like it. Uh, hamsters with helmets. Yeah, it looks great. Giant bug ninjas. Something about that just didn't fit. You're not really, like, given any details about him. He just kind of, like, shows up and he's like, I'm going to protect you. And then you lose every single fight after that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, I did like Narsha a little bit. Just the idea that um, King Remladu's got a long lost daughter and stuff. Uh, that was kind of interesting to me just because in the original, we don't see that much about what Runefost is going through. Yeah, I do like that part. That part is interesting. And I get into this a little more in the second episode about in Shining Force 2 that like you're like supposed to lose those battles and then she passes out or something and then you win by losing. Yeah. Just kind of a we- like a weird idea. And, like, you don't even, like, get to level them up. So by the time they officially join the Shining Force, they're too weak to even really incorporate. Yeah, definitely. And uh, doing research for this as well, I saw that there's people that actually play Shining Force by just entering into battles and grinding a bunch and then egressing out of it and doing that over and over. I had no idea that was even, like, a thing that people did. Oh, yeah. Uh, we get into that a little in the next episode, too. Um the one that just dropped, depending on when you're listening to this. But um, I, I was like a partial grinder. Like, I didn't want to take too much time doing it, but I wanted to have a decent advantage when I'd go into battle. So uh, another talking point I had um, was, who is your favorite boss in uh, in the entire first, or any any of the games, actually? You know, we'll, we'll open it up. Oh, uh, that's a good question. Let me think for a second. How about you go with yours, if you have one ready? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember uh, another character, you know, we talked about Bokin, we thought would join you. Um, I was even more convinced that in some kind of New Game Plus mode, Elliot would be able to join up with you. Because <laughs> um, being really young, um, and I hadn't played that many games because my family wasn't into the gaming that much back then. Um, you know, meeting a character that says, yeah, I don't really think we're enemies, but we still have to fight. I mean, that just blew my mind. I was like, I get to sit down and basically have a cup of tea with this guy um, before we fight to the death. That blew, that absolutely blew me away. Oh, that is a good choice. I always thought that was like a really interesting part of the game where it's like, if you really disagree with your leader, why are you still going to do his bidding even if you don't agree with it? That's like a really interesting idea. Yeah, him and Kane both have kind of this sense of honor um, that I really like because even Kane, um, when you meet Kane uh, right before battling him, um, he, you know, you talk to him beforehand and he says, okay, now we'll return to your base and get ready. Like, he doesn't just start swinging. He tells you, go prepare, and then we'll meet on the field of battle formally. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, Kane might be my number one boss battle, but um, as far as, like, challenging goes, I like Mishela. That That's a pretty good battle. One of the battles where it feels like you actually, like, some of them, like, feels like it's super obvious, like, what to do and how to win. Mm-hmm. But with magic, that adds, like, a nice element to it that a lot of the other bosses don't have. Yeah, and speaking of uh, the little ones that do, the marionette fight, I, I know I said my favorite, you know, my favorite is still Elliot, but so many of them are so good, the marionette fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the first time they drop that different battle theme uh, on you, and 
I know you talked about it a bit in episode one, how awesome that theme is. In the Game Boy version, another thing that like kind of irked me about it was that it felt so incredibly easy. Like I just like blew through that. Yeah. Did uh, Max having magic, did that help you? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I get um, I just like kept leveling them up to the point that like Supernova attack could be anything yeah i mean i just thought it was really strange that he actually had magic on that um do you prefer both that bowie gets bolt and stuff or do you prefer the first game more um i mean i didn't play shining force 2 really until i was an adult so uh i think nostalgia goggles on i very much prefer the first one um i don't hate the second one by any means i think it's still one of my top games of all time but i I enjoy the first one the most just because you know you just feel more to me more like just some guy that they found and we're like yeah we don't really have an army to speak of to do what needs to be done so we hate that you have to do this but we're putting it on you you're not the chosen one you're not really anything. I feel like not having magic kind of seals the deal a little more for me. Yeah, I like that you can use the Chaos Breaker as, oh, like, yeah. as like a magic tool because it's a magical weapon. That makes sense. Like mm-hmm. Since Max doesn't really have magic at the beginning, like it doesn't make sense that he develops it. Yeah, it, it would be weird for that to come out of nowhere. Um, and I'm sure they could have put some plot in of like Teo teaches you magic or something. But uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was necessary ever. To yeah. me, that wasn't that wasn't Max's role. Did you um, run into the issue of having like a really low level Max? Oh, the first time I played, absolutely. I had never played a game like this. So when uh, I got to the, I mean, I Max probably didn't gain a level the entire the entire playthrough my first time because I was like, oh, if he dies, it's game over. That means I keep him in the back and protect him, right? And then you can't do that in Shining Force 2 because uh, Bowie has to wield the Achilles sword to fight the Taros. That's something I ran into where my Bowie was too weak, so I just had to keep... I had to grind like 15 times to get Bowie up to snuff. That sounds like a, a pretty big hassle. Took a long time. <laughs> uh, so what makes the series special to you above any other? You know, why why is it your favorite? A lot, largely it breaks down to the gameplay style, um, the story. Um, I remember that, like, I thought it was so cool that you could, like, you kept finding all these people that wanted to join you. And I remember, like, growing up, like when I'd like make believe outside, I'd always like add in like more and more characters or even some of the Shining Force characters. A hockey stick in the backyard to me with like the entire like Shining Force. And like I kept like thinking up like character archetypes to join the battle with me. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely same experience there. Um, and uh, yeah, the characters really are what set Shining Force apart for me the most, I think, just uh, in the sense that. Uh, I can't name another game, movie, or story of any kind, really, that has the same setting with all these, you know, not just medieval, but that it has birdmen and centaurs and dragonmen and elves and stuff. Uh, And they also use swords and shields and bows and arrows alongside lightsabers and lasers and missiles, and it all just kind of works. Yeah, and flying devices and steam-powered stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need too much explanation on everything, you know, like Gunts makes no sense, but I didn't need explanation. You know, you just tell me, oh, it's an armadillo sitting in a steam suit. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) I know that 
Guns made way makes way more sense. Having uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Full Metal Alchemist. Yes, I have. Guns is basically Al, and that's pretty cool because I really like Full Metal Alchemist. I do too. Thing I, I mentioned earlier that I said I could talk about a little bit was some of the Japanese differences, um, and I just looked these up for this uh, podcast, and so this is all new to me. Um, the way that turn order works in the game, um, some people actually like looked at the coding and stuff. It looks at a character and enemy's agility, and then it kind of rolls some RNG numbers to determine who goes first. Um, so your agility doesn't completely determine that. But in the Japanese version, um, the agility is the be-all, end-all. There's nothing else. So every single enemy of the same type will move one after the other. Yeah, I thought that was really weird. Kind of glad with the way they went with it that like everybody kind of gets their turn. Yeah, definitely. And... Uh, to me, it just kind of adds another layer to being a veteran Shining Force player. One of the things that you get out of playing it a lot is, um, you know, it's the way that it's explained or the way it works, it doesn't make full logical sense, but you can just finally kind of tell who's going to move when. <laughs> it's like almost like you just kind of like accept it as the game. Like, I didn't even really think about that. I just... Oh, like, I didn't either. Is that was like the start, like... That's just how Shining Force works. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I never really, like... Um, I know, like, in certain, like, role-playing games, like, there's a, a... I think it's GameCube, but it's on other things called The Third Age. It's a Lord of the Rings game. Oh, and, I've, I've finished that game. Oh, I love that game. Same. But um, on, the, on the side of that, they show you the order with which you get to attack. Mm-hmm. So you could, like, strategize that way. But in Shining Force, you're just kind of, like... Figured out. <laughs> Another thing I had in my notes that's really strange that I didn't know was uh, in development. Um, you know, Guardiana has its name because you're, you know, they have the gate of the ancients near them, and it's their task to protect it. Um, and Runefaust had the other gate of the ancients, but uh, to mirror each other more clearly um, in production or in development, uh, Runefaust's name was actually Protectora. Yep, I think I, I may have actually heard about that. And maybe it's even referenced in the game that Runefaust is referred to as that. Um, I'm not sure. Because that sounds really familiar to me. It's very, very possible. Because, I mean, it's hard to keep track of everything that's in that game, in any of the games. There's just so much. They seem like small details in the game, but they actually define the entire history of the, the world. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love the idea of, you know, how uh, I'd like to do it on my YouTube at some point after I do. Uh, we're going to do Let's Plays of all the games, um, even the ones I haven't played. And we'll do that for the first time. And then eventually we'll get into some lore deep dives and stuff and try and find all the all the things that connect everything together and try and really get into that. Yeah, I think it would be like super, super interesting to see like a timeline of when all these things happen because I know um, so Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2 are kind of barely related but then there's actually a game called Shining in the Darkness which yes. is the first game in the timeline and Dark Soul from the first game is in it. Um, it I believe it's a different incarnation. Oh, I haven't played it. Um, there is a timeline though that people have already put together. Oh is there really? I know that um, I have the Shining in the Darkness mobile app that I've been meaning to get to play. I see. <laughs> and every time I start playing it, it's like pretty weird. 
So like I never get too far before I get kind of like weirded out about the whole thing. Yeah, on my YouTube, I haven't played it, but on my YouTube channel, we're eventually going to do that, and we're going to stick with it until we finish it, and it's going to be real weird. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to watch that, just because, like, I think I've tried two or three times, and just the style, the, it's, like, similar, but it's, like, almost like a Walmart version of, like, the original or something. I don't know how to really explain it. Uh, I can explain it. So, it's a dungeon crawler is what it's like officially referred to for the genre and uh the reason that it is that way and the reason really that all of shining the entire shining uh franchise is the way it is is um sega has been very reactionary with the shining franchise it's been their answer to um whatever everybody else is doing essentially um and dungeon crawlers were the big thing so they put out Shining in the Darkness as their answer to the dungeon crawler. And then we left that behind and you had uh, Nintendo coming out with Fire Emblem and The Legend of Zelda. And so Sega was like, well, what can we do to compete with these things? And they were like, well, let's do a game called Shining Force. And so that was their answer to both of those. And the problem is that I think they struck gold with Shining Force 1 through 3 um, and then Shining stayed, I guess, true to its nature. And then the next big thing was uh, action RPGs. So Shining Force Neo and Shining Force EXA became action RPGs because that was the end thing. Um, and really, it's just stuck with that up to present because, you know, the big thing in Japan now is uh, scantily clad waifus and, you know, in my opinion, somewhat generic JRPGs. And that's been what it's been and i'm not trying to slight those creators you know i know they work really hard on it um and i really respect what they do um when you're a fan of the originals you know like you and i are i think we really just want that original world to make a comeback in some way oh absolutely uh for our uneducated audience including myself what is a waifu oh a waifu is just kind of the uh idea that um in Japan, it's, uh, how do I explain this? Um, essentially, it's a girl in a game or a comic or a show that isn't real that you are in love with. And uh, if you look at the current Shining games, like Shining Resonance Refrain, I think is the most recent one. Um, it's just kind of a lot of very pretty women and, you know, eh. To me, I, I don't. I haven't played it, so I mean, I could be totally wrong. And eventually, I'd like to, but we're gonna go through all the other games first. Um, to me, it doesn't seem quite as deep as the originals. You know, the the big draw is that it's the uh, the, the whole waifu aspect that you just get to spend time with these pretty girls. I, well, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> That's I mean, it's, it's what's in now, you know, for Japan. So yeah, I guess so. Um, that's why I'm excited about Jeremy and Justin's games that are coming out, that they have that original, like, Shining Force flavor, as it were. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm really hoping, eventually, that Shining Force continues to stay true to its name, because now, um, you know, I, I don't know how, how versed you are in the, uh, I guess, video games today, but Fire Emblem has become one of Nintendo's biggest franchises, and uh, it's getting up there with Pokemon and Kirby and Zelda. Um, not quite as big as Mario, but nothing ever will be. Um, but I'm hoping that Sega sees that and says, oh, there is still 
you know, a market for that kind of game. Maybe we should uh, do a return to form and, you know, put out a new Shining game uh, in the old style. Yeah, something I want to do for like a future episode of the podcast, um, if we last that long, would be to like pitch your like ideal Shining Force game. You could like pick like a character from the original games or sort of take it wherever you want, I guess. But like if you could do like a Shining Force 3 tied into like the original like games of that like particular style, like where would you go with it? Like who would you Mm -hmm. focus on? Would you start from scratch? Yeah, definitely. And I have lots of stuff for that, but I'll save it in case you want to have me back for that. (laughs) So uh, you asked actually a pretty good question earlier, and now I kind of want to throw it back in your face. Um, Sure. So what is so special about Shining Force to you? Uh, You guys got into it a little bit in part one. Um, The humor is really special. Um, The fact that it's a serious, dark game, um, which you guys got into the reasons that it can be kind of dark, but the fact that it just doesn't take itself that seriously and it's willing to be ridiculous with characters like Yogurt or the guy that tries to summon a demon and summons his wife. I mean, that really sets it apart along with uh, the time it takes place in and the setting just with the, you know, I said the futuristic aspects mirrored with the uh, medieval stuff. And finally, I think uh, the races, um, I told you I moved to Fire Emblem, and one of the biggest things that I would add to a future Fire Emblem game, because Fire Emblem doesn't really do races, um, so I would add races to it, um, like the Shining Force ones. Um, The majority of Fire Emblem characters that you play as are just human, and there's a couple games that deviate from that, but the vast majority are just human, and... You know, it's always it does something to scratch that shining force itch for me, but I'm always going to miss, you know, going to a town and it's like, oh, everybody in this town is um, a bird person. And then we go and, oh, there's dwarves and, you know, just all the different ones uh, together having such a colorful team. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It has um, that element is uh, one of the reasons why I really like Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Mm -hmm. You get that like the tension of all the different like like groups of people throughout the world. You realize that you all kind of have to work together to meet that like bigger goal kind of idea. Yeah, uh, definitely. And it really just goes a long way to in variety and different things to look at. Um, You know, it's cool to do you know, just have all these different races together, um, visually even. And uh, it also leaves the door open to fun challenge runs, uh, like an all-centaur force or something. Or done that. Uh, you've done that? I've done that. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend it, because like, um, some of your centaurs really drop off in the second half of the game. They like pl- kind of play themselves out. So like... You're like you've got a couple of strong pieces like Pell and Ernest, but then you have like a slowly fading Ken and May. Yeah, don't really hold up after their promotions to be like solid characters. So I wouldn't really recommend it, but definitely worth trying out. I've been looking to it's uh, I never really paid attention to how the characters went and dropped off. And I've learned that some of my like mainstays are ones people consider weak, um, like uh 
the first couple playthroughs I did, um, I had Hans and Diane and Lyle were all in my team, and they were really big contributors. They all did tons of damage, and I'm going to attribute that, I guess, to just the RNG aspect because mm-hmm. um, they were all amazing. And then uh, I brought Ken with me all the way to the final level, and Ken just dropped so hard because he uh, got decent level ups for everything except defense. So, I mean, he had ridiculous amounts of hit uh, hit points. I mean, like 70 or 80. And then he would get two shot or one shot sometimes because he just didn't have any defense. <laughs> yep. Um, same thing basically happens with May and Vancar. They just, like, in the moment, they're pretty good additions. But after a while, you just get so many other, like, like Kokichi gets, like, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but the... The guy with the uh, flying machine. Yeah. Like, he gets, like, to be one of the best in the game. <laughs> I've never really used him, so I'll have to do that. Oh, man, you have to prioritize that. That He is fantastic. <laughs> I have used May, though, and again, May was a really big contributor for me, even at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, it just worked out that way. Huh. I, I, that's another thing that I appreciate about the game, is that every playthrough, like, it's not just... Well, some of them are, like, Xylo's always good, but, like, sometimes, like, Ken will be really good, and then the next time through, it'll be garbage, and you'll be, you'll have Diane in there, or or any different combination. Like, it's not always, the same person is always going to be good. Yeah. Um, I pulled up, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, unless that's not part of the game, and it's just something I've made up in my head. (laughs) But oh, I think it's definitely I... there. <laughs> There's definitely an RNG aspect. And uh, I've learned um, recently as well, doing research for this, that it's not complete RNG. Um, the game actually checks at certain points, um, and I'm not sure how it checks. I've just been told that it does um, to see if you're statistically where you should be by that point. Um, and then if you level somebody up and you're, you know, so many standard deviations below what you should be at, um, it will actually rubber band you and throw you forward with that character. Um, so you can get really huge stat ups, like plus 20 to a certain stat or something all at once if you get rubber banded real hard. Really? That's actually pretty fascinating. Yeah, I never really knew that. I would not have known that either. Um, so we can actually take a quick break if you want to. Um, I'm good to go or as long as you want, but yeah, it's up to you. Okay, well, we'll just like take like a moment pause, and I usually try to um, highlight a bunch of like Shining Force music, mm-hmm. the, like break music, just because I I think it's actually pretty good stuff. Yeah, go for it. I love it. Um, I just I add that in during the editing. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we'll go to our break and we'll be right back. See you then. Right, we are back from the break, so we're just gonna get right back into it. We're gonna go into more into what Chris is doing with his YouTube, and I feel like you mentioned a book somewhere along the way that I want to know more about. So let's get started with just um, so you're starting with Fire Emblem. So why Fire Emblem instead of Shining Force right off the bat? Uh, 
the big reasons are because Fire Emblem has a massive community behind it that is rapidly growing um, as of late, uh, just these past few years. Um, I was actually worried that my replacement for Shining Force would go the same way Shining Force did because um, uh, some of the games that came out in America really didn't do well. And then uh, finally, uh, Intelligent Systems, the people that make Fire Emblem for Nintendo, um, got told that the 13th game in the series would be it if it did not do well. So essentially, they emptied their bank account on the game and made Fire Emblem Awakening. And uh, a lot of people like to say Awakening saved the franchise, which it did to an extent. But a big part of it was that Nintendo said, hey, what if we marketed this thing like to a lot of people? <laughs> um, so, the, I mean, Nintendo went all out and bought TV commercials, which they had never done for a Fire Emblem game. Um, and uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it worked and they made all their money back, plus a lot more. And it shot up in popularity and it really hasn't stopped shooting up. Um, and it just kind of coincided with when I made the YouTube, the, the newest game three houses would be coming out shortly after. Um, so I decided, yeah, that's a really good way to get lots of people in. Um, and, uh, really the final reason I decided to do fire emblem first was that, uh, I could build up an audience with that. I think a lot easier of a lot more people, and then I could get all these people that are not part of the Shining Force community and introduce them into it, uh, you know, kind of just all at once say, hey, we're doing a new Let's Play. It's this game called Shining Force from my childhood. It's a lot like Fire Emblem. You should definitely check it out and see if I can get, you know, just how many people I can pull in eventually to be part of that. Because um, I'd really love to share Shining Force with as many people as possible. Yeah, that's basically been my goal with the podcast, and I'm now going to say something that's probably going to make me lose everyone who's would listen to this podcast anyway, but I've actually never played Fire Emblem or Fantasy Star, the sort of like similar games to Shining Force, so um, I'd be interested to watch someone else play Fire Emblem to kind of see what it's all about, because pretty much all I know about Fire Emblem is uh, from Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's definitely how I started. Um, I actually thought it was a fighting game to start. Um, my first one I played was called Path of Radiance, which is the GameCube one. And uh, I saw the characters, when they attack each other, go into an animation similar to Shining Force's battle animations. Mm -hmm. um, but I just saw two characters squaring off against each other on a flat plane, and I was like, oh, so it's a fighting game. That looks interesting. And then when I bought it and brought it home... Um, and by the way, that game goes for like $150 now. I've got my uh, $10 Blockbuster sticker still on it. <laughs> um, but I brought it home and popped it into the GameCube and loaded up, you know, Chapter 1 and was like, oh, this is a Shining Force kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I was pleasantly surprised because that's much more what I wanted. Um, but one of the big differences is, and I didn't get this going into it, um, when characters die in Fire Emblem, they are gone forever, um, unless you reset. So I kept waiting, you know, expecting the Shining Force priest to be around any corner um, for me to talk to to res my characters, and that just never came. <laughs> wow. So it definitely... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just I know that for me, 
um, starting off as Super Smash Brothers. And this makes no sense and probably explains like my like weird nature <laughs> that when I was younger, I just assumed Fire Emblem was along the same lines as Super Smash Brothers. So like Roy and Marth from the original game mm -hmm. uh, from Melee um that was their just like their style of game like it was just like exactly like there's super smash brothers characters it never even like occurred to me there might be a different kind of game i mean if that's that was a lot of people's first exposure so i mean we really didn't have any idea um and they were almost cut from la for that reason because there weren't really fire emblem games out in america at that time um or really outside of japan anywhere um, so they, it was a last-minute decision that they were not going to cut Roy and Marth from our game. Um, and then it ended up getting people curious. And so the very first Fire Emblem for Game Boy Advance uh, came out here, um, which is not Japan's first, but it was our first. I remember I loved, like, the character design for Roy. So, like, I remember, and again, this shows, like, I'm not like an idiot by any means, but like sometimes things just go like way over my head. Like I remember I looking up Roy and like not finding him in one of the games and just being like, oh, well, maybe they just made him for Melee. Um, his game is still not out in the U.S. and has not been localized anywhere outside of Japan. Okay, so maybe that's where my naivete comes into play probably so because the fire emblem community back then was really really small kind of i mean it's on par with shining forces community i would say and uh i don't even know if that game had been translated to english back then um and it has now and you can get a rom of it very easily um but yeah back then you probably wouldn't have been able to find anything online or very little yeah so that must have been because um, I always really liked Roy, and he was one of like the three people I would play with because I develop favorite characters, and then I never want to play as anyone else. Oh yeah, with these things, so like I'd always be like Link, Samus, or Roy. <laughs> so yeah, I can understand. Um, or uh, Young Link, or Toon Link, or whichever one it is in Melo. The little I one. Gotcha. Yeah, Young Link. Yeah, it was all. It was always basically Link, but I really liked Roy too. But um, it's never been from lack of interest. It's just just never gotten around to it. Because I usually, like, I'll start it and then be like, well, I could be playing Shining Force right now. <laughs> oh, I have I have the same thing sometimes, um, especially when not all of the, like, not all the Shining games are good. Not all the Fire Emblem games are good. There's a couple in there that I'm like, how, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the one I'm playing uh, right now, if you guys are listening to this when it comes out, um, I'm probably still doing it. Um, I'm playing Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which is actually a remake of Marth's first game. It's kind of the uh, Resurrection of Dark Dragon of the sh uh, the Fire Emblem world. Okay. Um, and oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's going pretty well. And uh we're doing something, we're doing a bit of a challenge run um, ourselves because you get a lot of characters because the original creator didn't expect you to reset when somebody died. Um, but if you lose too many characters, you uh, get to play specific uh, side chapters that you don't normally get to play. Um, but you have to be under a certain character count. 
So we're sacrificing enough characters that we get to play this extra content. And it's been really funny and interesting to see, you know, who we get and, uh, you know, was sacrificing these 10 people worth it to get this other character that you wouldn't normally see. That's that would frustrate me a little bit, but um, let's let me ask another question. So, um, you're going to be doing these let's plays. I know I've watched a fair amount of let's plays on YouTube of tons of different games. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what style are you going for? Are you going to like be like screaming and like stuff like <laughs> you play, or are you going to be like quipping us with one liners, or are you going to not say anything at all? <laughs> No, we. Uh, I actually have a co-host that's uh, one of my good friends and uh, that lives near me. He comes over and we play it together. And uh, I'm, we're definitely not screaming at the top of our lungs or anything because um, I feel that tactical games like Shining Force or Fire Emblem don't really suit themselves very well to that kind of reactionary gameplay or reactionary style of commentary. So we just kind of talk about it. It's very chill. Um, I think something that sets it apart from other Let's Plays is uh, my editing. Um, I've started to... I told uh, Daniel at the start that uh, I'm just now learning to edit. And if you watch episode one of my Let's Play, you'll definitely get that uh, feel, I think, that I don't totally know what I'm doing. But uh, I have uh, around seven or eight episodes up, maybe more by the time you're watching this um, or listening to this. And uh, I've definitely gotten the hang of it by now, and we're doing lots of gags and lots of just uh, different references from my childhood thrown in there um, that hopefully are from your childhood as well. So I think that definitely sets it apart. Okay, very cool. I know that um, there's like a few Let's Players that like, I don't like follow them religiously, but like, I really enjoy their stuff. Like, I don't know if you know Chugga Conroy, he does a lot of like pretty good ones. I've heard of him. For different games um he does mostly nintendo games i think i think he's doing chrono trigger right now so uh check him out i guess if you want to uh have like pretty decent let's play oh definitely uh i'll do that um the thing i'm kind of trying to model the editing after was uh the game grumps i don't know if you've heard of them they're very uh early days they uh, had a different co-host that i really liked named john tron and um their editor was also really involved in the show um to the point where they would sometimes just his name was barry and in the middle of the game sometimes they'd you know scream like barry i i want a replay of this or that or um barry did you see that thing that happened can you rewind and zoom in on that and he would do all these crazy things they would have him do and it really got out of hand which is why i think they stopped doing it because eventually it became hey barry can you edit uh your favorite animal in your favorite color um and i mean they were asking him to do really crazy stuff <laughs> but he did almost all of it and i have huge respect for him for putting in the hours to make these ridiculous things for them that really were just one-off gags but i'm trying to uh do something kind of similar, similar style. Very cool. Um, I don't know if I'd ever like do a let's play of Shining Force, but I could definitely see some merit in that because I feel like it'd be, it's like the perfect sort of game where you can like point out the interesting things. Because um, there's like so many little things to like show people. Um, I know Chugga Conroy did Earthbound mm -hmm. re recently. And by recently, I probably mean like, 
two or three years ago at this point. But um, <laughs> I learned like so much about that game by going on about this, like the secrets and stuff. Whereas a lot of games don't have a lot of like hidden check out this bookcase kind of things. But for the games that do, I feel like those are the best games for it. Oh, yeah. My my plan for Shining Force when we eventually get there is uh, I don't know who my co-host is going to be yet. I don't have it picked that early or this early, but um, I am definitely going to have a co-host. I feel like bouncing off somebody uh, like with this podcast is just a lot easier and makes for better content overall. Um, but I'm going to pick a co-host who probably has done a lot of Fire Emblem stuff, but has very little experience with Shining Force. And uh, one of the things I really look forward to is um, telling him, like, okay, you know, here, draw. I'll draw a line for you. You cannot leave the city until you recruit two characters. And then just waiting and to see, you know, like with no hints, how long is it going to take you to find these things? Um, and I really look forward to, like, Hanzo and Musashi. That's going to be a great episode where... You know, I'm like, no, you can't leave yet. And it's like, but I've looked everywhere. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> you <laughs> haven't checked that one bush in particular. No. Uh, another thing that just like occurred to me was um, in the Game Boy Advance version to get Musashi is like, I looked it up because it wasn't the same way as it was in the original. And I don't like, remember this. It was a convoluted mess how you get him. It was like, like read this sign in Worrell and then... Like, go read this other sign, and, like, if you read the signs in the right order, like, then his notice shows up or something. It was, it was totally bizarre. <laughs> so I, yeah. I ended up getting him. Or that sounds really weird. It was very odd. And then I think that actually, it mirrors um, one of the other Shining Force games. There's... A series of signs that you have to read that point you in the directions. Ah, oh, man, I wish I could remember which game it was from. Maybe it's from Final Conflict. Anyway. It's not one or two, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's all the help I can be. Definitely not one or two. Um, this is turning into a very boring thing, watching me try to figure it out, so we'll just uh, cut that out. <laughs> That's fine. So, um, why Let's Playing? Do you just like to talk to yourself in a co-host while you play video games? Or, like, what made you want to do a Let's Play? Um, the thing that made me want to do a Let's Play was really just what made me want to start YouTube in general. And that was just to interact with more people about my favorite games. And uh, just, yeah, pretty much that. Just interacting with people. And maybe catching some of the weird moments on camera, you know. Um, we just did a... Uh, the uh, ep uh, episode I was editing today of Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, um, kind of like Shining Force, Fire Emblem has randomized level ups where you have a certain percentage chance to get each stat um, to level up. And we did an entire level with uh, almost every level up was completely empty. Nothing leveled up. And so it was really weird. Like statistically, I don't know what the chances of that are. I'd have to look into it for each character, but... It was like, I'm glad we got that on camera because, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, what is it? The level is coded weird where you just don't level up very much on this map or what the deal is. So, yeah, that and talking to people. Okay, cool. Um, I know that, like, the Let's Play thing is so big right now, especially since people can't 
like readily afford video games as much anymore. Like watching a let's play might be the only way you actually get to see that video game be played. Oh yeah. That's what it was for me. Like I don't have a lot of money to go out and buy like every single legend of Zelda game. So if I, if I can't emulate it, that's the only way I'm ever going to see it. <laughs> yeah. And some games, I mean, like, especially with Zelda, you don't even want to play like the Philips CDI ones. I mean, it's better to watch those, I think. <laughs> uh, which ones are those? Uh, the Wand of Gamelon. Uh, Zel- what, what is it? Um, let, let me look it up here. Z- uh, Link, the Faces of Evil, Evil, Zelda, the Wand of Gamelon, and Zelda's Adventure. Yeah, I haven't even heard of those, so... Nintendo basically let the company Philips make their own Nintendo games for their console they made way back in the day called the Philips CDI. And uh, they are really, really bad. They apparently outsourced like all of it to college students that were just learning to code and do art, essentially. Um, so they're just known as abysmal and I've watched let's plays of all three of them and they're all three extremely painful. Um, and I would never want to play them, but I definitely encourage you to go look at gameplay and just watch people play these things with commentary because it's ridiculous. Okay. I'll definitely do that because, um, after shining force legend of Zelda is my favorite video game series. Ah, I see. It's actually fairly close, maybe. Ooh. As far as, like, I'd rather play Shining Force, like, eight times out of ten, but, like, the visuals and, like, stories of Legend of Zelda just always get me. I mean, that doesn't surprise me too much. I mean, I don't think they're too far unrelated, because anytime uh, somebody asks me my favorite game, I say Shining Force, and they say, well, what is that? And I say you know what Fire Emblem is? And usually they're like, yeah. And I say, okay, and now imagine Fire Emblem and Zelda had a baby and it's that. Because <laughs> yep. it's, you know, essentially the combat of Fire Emblem with the ex- exploration of Zelda. Mm-hmm. I feel like another way is it's basically like Final Fantasy, but like the Studio Gilby version of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> Because, like, it's, like, roughly the same sort of gameplay as Final Fantasy, but it's it's way wackier than Final Fantasy is. Yeah, definitely. I've never really played Final Fantasy too much, which I, I get a lot of flack for sometimes, but... Me neither. I just know, like, the basic style. And I played I played the mobile app for a while, and that I'm not a big <laughs> mobile app person in general, same. but... I felt like compelled to beat it just to say I did. So like I got the sort of overall like sense of it about, uh, we wrap it up there. I'm sure we could probably go on for the next several hours, but, um, Oh, I know I could, but yeah, you're probably right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Cause another large portion of this is me not taking too many cookies out of the jar. <laughs> so not wasting anybody's time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but definitely call me anytime that you want to. Or, you know, you got my Twitter, message me anytime you want, and we, we can talk. Uh, and that goes for any of you listening listening out there as well. Uh, my Twitter, uh, I think it's just my name, at Chris Harkey. Um, so if you want to 
tweet me or whatever. I, I'm new to using Twitter, similar to you, uh, Daniel. Um, but anybody that wants to, to tweet me can, and we can talk Shining Force all you want. Definitely. And uh, same goes for me. I usually, I'm on Twitter way more than I should be. But um, yeah, if you ever want to talk about almost anything, I guess. So you can hit me up at Magar Mentions. All right. So thanks for checking out this like special fan episode. Um, want to thank Chris for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys again for listening. I'm incredibly honored that people want to be a guest on the show. So um, keep it coming. More guests, the better. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it from us for this time. Um, this is our like intermonth episode. So probably in about two weeks, you're going to get another podcast, which is probably going to be on Shining Force CD, the first, the first book out of the three. And we'll hitch up with that in about two weeks or so. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later.